when you confront death at age 22, everything changes. It got me thinking about what I wanted to do before I actually die, because life is unpredictable. Can you relate? I'm Kiki Kelly, and this is my story. My friend Amy Hallberg thought I should share some of my stories with you. She'll be joining me here. Some are hard, some are funny, and some are just unbelievable. But they're all true. So here we are. Season 3, Episode 5. Tales from an Inadvertent Bucket List Champ. So last episode, you had to have surgery for a tumor, and they were going to have to cut you open, but at the last minute, an Iranian woman who was a resident was able to pull it out with her finger. Yeah, so it was a parathyroid tumor that had fallen behind my breastplate, and she stepped in and said, let me try before you cut it open. She had long, slim fingers and was able to to hook it out so they could cut it off. Which means that instead of debilitating, life-changing surgery, she saved your life in a lot of different ways, and you were able to heal really, really fast. Yeah, so I was home. I mean, I still had to go get MRIs regularly for the one, the tumor in my brain. Can we just stop a minute? So to be really clear, that tumor is still there now. Yeah. Yeah, okay. It's just not growing. It, it, it hasn't grown. So the bigger problem was healing from your surgery? No, it was the calcium. So the, the parathyroid is responsible for your calcium level, and it had spit out so much calcium that I had calcifications in different okay. places, okay. and it had messed with my brain. Okay. So if you get that in check, the brain stops yeah. growing. The brain tumor stops growing. Well, they weren't sure if it would, which is why I had to keep going back for MRIs. But in the meantime, the depression stopped. Which is huge. Very huge. Yeah, so that was a that was a byproduct of having the parathyroid tumor. Because you needed to heal really quickly. You needed that. Yeah, because my uh, future ex-husband had filed divorce papers. And... Um, <laughs> Now, at this point, you're still living in the house with him, though, right? Yep. And, you know, of course that's awkward. We're in different parts of the house, but, you know. Strangely enough, though, we kept meeting up at the, you know, in the kitchen, and we had some really good talks, and we were probably closer to each other then than we had been for years. So was he helping you recover at this point? No, he wasn't particularly helpful. He was focused on his business. My trainer and my friend Angie would come and help me out. And because it got awkward being in the same house and because we needed to get used to the bifurcated schedule, like I had grown up missing a dad for a long time, so I wanted Maddie to have a dad. So we agreed on 50-50 everything. 50-50 custody, 50-50 just everything cut in half. So it was really super easy. We had no hard feelings. We'd meet up in the kitchen and talk, you know, because we both, we, we decided we were going to get condos. We'd sell the house and get these new condos that were being built, the same exact condo a floor apart so that Maddie could be close to both of us. So it was very, like, we had always worked well as a team, 
and we were just being very reasonable. So as the divorce goes, it sounds like it was going kind of... I mean, at, at first I thought, wow, this is like the greatest divorce ever, and I was really proud of us. I mean... <laughs> so, I mean, we didn't even need a judge. We needed just a mediator, and he was like, this bodes well for your daughter, and this is, this is great, and you seem to really have it all together. And Maddie had a dance recital, and it, it was early springtime. We came back from that together. So it was really, you know, it really was like nothing had changed except we... Well, really, nothing had changed because we'd been in different beds anyway. But we come back from this dance recital, and the woman across the street who was eight years younger than me and divorced, who had a two-year-old daughter. So three years two younger than Maggie at this point? I think they're two, two, two and three. And okay. Yeah. So um, all of a sudden, she said hi to my future ex-husband, and he grabbed Maddie and said, Oh, we should go for a play date. With her future stepsister, <laughs> who was two years younger, and th- then it hit me. I was like, "Oh, okay." There's, there's. So at that moment, you actually knew that was going to be the stepmom. That's going to be my child's stepmom. That's the new wife. You knew it. Yeah, and so then it got awkward. I mean, we still talked in the kitchen, and I said, "What do you like about her?" And she said, "Well, she's so." grown up and I, I was thinking in my head I was thinking I hope no one ever says that about me it's my best quality <laughs> you know and I'm thinking well you know she was a math major maybe she is his soulmate maybe it was a total mistake you know some things aren't meant to last that sounds very rational about you. Well, I was trying to be. I Okay. So, I, like, there's this hurt part, and there's the part of you that's trying to well, be. It, the thing is, I wasn't as hurt as I thought I would be about the actual divorce. I was hurt because my daughter would, you know, I tried to spare her the same things that I'd suffered. And yet, here she is, same age as me, going to have divorced parents, and she's going to have this stepmom right away just like I had a stepdad right away so I'm trying to be as rational as possible and you know just work with everyone we can have maybe we can have a blended family like like Bruce Willis and Demi Moore in the meantime you know we had the plan for the condos that were right above each other well okay so the divorce is going as well as any divorce possibly could and we're both trying to make it as easy on Maddie as possible, especially getting used to the idea of being with one parent one week and the other parent another week. So what we did was, I mean, while the condos were being built, that, you know, it was, mine was number 23, and I guess his would have been 33 or 43. I can't remember if it was a floor or two, but whatever, it doesn't matter. Well, <laughs> he surprised me because he forfeited the money that had been for the architect and for the down payment. And suddenly the plan was that the future wife would move in once I was in my condo. Wait, wait. So she's moving into your house? Yep, she's going to move into my house. And um, you got to go? Well, not until the condo's done. So in the meantime... 
it's not possible to live in the same house at this time. It's just too awkward. So there's a residence in... And so one of us spends a week there and the other one spends it at home with Maddie and then we switch. And when I'm there, I cry the entire time because suddenly I don't know who I am without being a mother or identifying myself with my job or who I'm married to or even being a married person. Like I I, I just couldn't even imagine what could possibly be next. And at that time, it was the deepest, darkest winter. That stupid room smelled permanently like curry. It was depressing as hell. No one else had been divorced or seemed to be have any time to talk. So I turned to my trainer and just worked out a lot and cried a lot. And, you know, and there were still birthday parties. And so, like, I take Maddie to the birthday party but I'd have to like step out and cry <laughs> you know and and yet you know it, it I wasn't I wasn't unhappy about the forthcoming divorce I wasn't disturbed that my future ex-husband had already met his future wife I just didn't know anything about me I had no idea who I was and what I was going to do. And thankfully, Vicky, my neighbor, took care of me. She fed me when I was, when I didn't have anything to do. She would just have me over. And, you know, I was just part of their family. <laughs> you know, it was just like kind of, and, and at the same time, the family that I'd almost died with when I my colon fulminated in Oregon called me up. They felt terrible about the divorce. And... My friend Erin and her mom, Darlene, who is just wonderful. So Darlene was having her best friend, and Erin was going to invite me to this inexpensive resort in central Mexico. And I thought that was the greatest idea, because just to get away, get some sun, be with, you know, people that I'd already been through huge trauma with. Right. Right. It was just a good plan. So they didn't need you to be okay. Right. So I just had to to get, and then I could, then I had something to get, get through and get toward. But in the meantime, you know, like we would switch off and we would have a dinner together as a future ex family. So it's just weird. And you know, Maddie had no idea what was going on. She really didn't. She was only five and a half. You know, she was going to start kindergarten that fall. My condo seemed to go on forever. Like there was just always something that delayed was delayed, and so it just seemed to take forever. Finally, it was ready. You know, Vicky would do funny things like leave flowers at my back door with <laughs> notes that say, "I am so sorry, but I could not find a card for this." <laughs> I just find a card that expressed how awkward this all is for the entire neighborhood. Like, it really was. It was kind of traumatizing for the whole neighborhood. Right, because everybody knows what's happening. And everyone knows all of us. Right. How do you even decide who your friends are at the end of this whole thing? Well, it wasn't... Yeah, it was just weird. It was just one of those blurry kind of years. You know, I healed... Um, my condo got done, I moved out, she moved in, 
I was the one, because I'd moved to the town my sister lives in, I wanted Maddie to go to school with her cousin, my niece, my sister's daughter. And there was this great Montessori within the public school program that I, and I'd camped out on the principal's, you know, steps. And I just threw myself into Maddie and school, like getting her into this special program that would be perfect for her. And she could be in the same classroom as her cousin and have that safe person there, you know. And then the next year they'd be apart because it's two years with one teacher and then two years with the next. But and every year they went to camp, and, and I just started volunteering at school. And So basically, if you couldn't be okay for yourself, at least you wanted to make it okay for her. That was all I was thinking of. I, It was just unreal, you know? Like, hey, who gets this painting that we bought for our anniversary? <laughs> I mean... Oh, who wants it? I know. Well, I know. So, yeah, it was interesting. It was an interesting time. I, I'm, I hope to uh, never have another year like that again. It was one of the worst years of my life. Thank you for listening to this episode of Tales from a Bucket List Champ. If you haven't already, please subscribe to this podcast and share it with friends. Our sound editor is the talented Will Kui. Our story editor and producer is me, Amy Hallberg, and our writer and executive producer is Kiki Kelly. We'll be back next time with episode six, Mexico. Until then, what's one item on your bucket list?